episode number six of the No Degree Podcast with your host, Janayat Iqbal. Today's guest is Doug Winston, who comes from an electrical background, as he has an electrical contracting company, among other companies in that space. I know you'll enjoy this episode, as Doug is just someone who has a wealth of experience and knowledge. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated, and this show isn't possible without you. Let's get the show started. Hey, so welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today I have Doug, and Doug's going to introduce himself. My name is uh, Doug Winston. I'm the president of DNM Electrical Contracting. I also have two other subsidiaries, DNM Utility and DNM Northeast Utility Equipment Repair all are underneath the parent company of DNM Electrical Contracting, which I founded in 1993. What's your day-to-day like nowadays, or maybe what's a week-to-week like? There is a certain degree of routine to my day. Uh, I like to get up early and start the day. I get up at 4.30 in the morning, go to the gym, get a good workout in from the gym. I come right to the office here, try to be here a little after 7. In my industry, we start at 7 a.m., so it's kind of important to be around when, when the action's happening. Phone calls, phone calls start ringing at, you know, quarter to seven. People are on their way to work, have questions, want to talk about stuff. That's okay with me. Eat breakfast here at my desk. I work uh, a pretty long day, but by the same token, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm home, heading home at six o'clock, another five minutes away. So at the end of the day, I think I, I have a pretty good quality of life by design. I always wanted to be close to have my business close to where I lived. So I would have that extra time with my family and, and you know, structure things that way. Cool. So go a little more into what the main company does. So DNM Electrical Contracting, we're electrical contractors. We're union contractors, signatory to several different unions, mostly local three here in, in New York, in the New York City metropolitan area. Over the years, our our, uh, our markets have shifted with a changing climate. When we first started in 1993, we did everything from wire and houses to specialty work like uh, explosion-proof wiring for propane companies. We had a kind of an interesting little specialty we did that nobody else really got involved with, and that was the uh, the bus shelters that you see people waiting in, waiting for the bus. Okay. Basically, we would take them down, put them up, run electricity to them, and maintain them. So it was a great little contract for us. And um, in the beginning, we literally used to take, we had to run the wires up on telephone poles before the utility would connect it. So We'd actually take an extension ladder, put it up on the pole, go up with a safety belt, and we'd actually run our wires right up there. Around 1995, I bought my partner out, who was the M in D&M, became the sole owner. He took half the trucks with him, so I had to buy some new trucks. And I said, you know, maybe it'd be smart if we buy a bucket truck, you know, this way, instead of climbing up on a ladder, it's safer. Let's do that. So we bought this rickety old bucket truck that was... How much did you buy it for? Uh, you know what? It wasn't much. I don't remember, but I don't think it was more than 2500 bucks. at oh, the time. okay. Yeah, it was not a lot of money. And trust me, it was not a lot of truck. It was a handful. It was top heavy. Uh, you, we used to come pulling into the supply house and guys would see us coming and they'd just see this thing rocking because it was so much weight on top. And they'd be like, oh my God, that thing's going to tip over. I started scratching my head and saying, what else can we do with this truck? Well, you know, we could do parking lot lighting. That'd be a good business to get into. So we started doing parking lot lighting, and then we started diversifying into some other avenues. Because we did the explosion-proof wiring, I got the uh, opportunity to start wiring gas stations for a company called Tyree. They were pretty big in the market at the time. 
We were pretty heavily involved in that up until 1999. 1999, they basically said, hey, you know, the federal mandate's coming to an end. And I was like, what federal mandate? I don't even know what they were talking about. And they're like, the reason why we've been doing all this gas station work is because the federal mandate is that old gas tanks have to be out of the ground by 1999. Most of the gas station work's going to be gone. So I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? So they're like, no, 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 we're, we're getting into another market that we think is going to be pretty lucrative. I was like, well, what's that? So building cell phone towers. Said, oh, that sounds good. We started looking at the blueprints. Yeah, we could do this. This is, you know, a lot of stuff's related to the things we know about. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So we started building cell phone towers. And then probably somewhere around 1999, one of my guys came to me and said, um, you know, you subcontract out all this high voltage work putting in the telephone poles and the splicing and the transformers. You know, we're giving away the lion's share of the work. Why don't we do that? I'm like, do you know how to do it? He's like, no, but the union has classes. It's all right. So tell you what, you go take those classes. You get certified to do that kind of work. And I'll go out and buy more equipment. Those guys kept their end of the deal. They went out, they, they went to school, got their certifications. One of our splicers actually did... He did a three-year program in a year and a half because it was in modules. So basically, it was based on it was supposed to take you three years. He was able to do it in uh, in a year and a half, and we hired some other qualified people that were really good in in that you know in those areas. And I went out and bought equipment, and um, we started doing our own work on the cell sites. Probably around two thousand two, two thousand three, cell tower market was not as lucrative as it was before. Like you know, back in ninety seven, it was fast and furious. Companies like Sprint were trying to get into the market and they were building out a brand new plant. I mean, they had no infrastructure whatsoever. So it was, you have 30 days, build a site and that was it. By 2002, economy had cooled off a little bit. And basically what happened was we had companies coming in from all other parts of the country working cheaper than us. So we realized, you know what? This high voltage work though, nobody else is doing that. So pretty soon we were doing the high voltage work for the companies coming in out of state. We said, well, why don't we just kind of stick to what works? So we kind of gravitated into that market. In 2006, our insurance carrier went to our website. We, we had a website in 1999. Nobody knew what a website was. Yeah. They saw pictures of my guys setting telephone poles with a helicopter and doing some stuff that electricians don't normally do. And they yeah. came back and they said, these guys aren't normal electricians. And they dropped us. Oh. So my insurance agent said, you got to get that website down now. So we took the website down and he said, I don't think I'm going to be able to get you insurance. You, we may have to go to Lloyd's of London to get you insurance. And I was like, oh, we can't afford that. Yeah. So he said, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to split, split up and you're going to create two companies. So split off all your utility work, make, create DNM utility. So 2006, we created DNM utility. Luckily, we found a good insurance carrier that worked with us and saw that we were a good, safe company, had a great track record. So we did a lot of safety training. They were okay with us, so we, we ended up being able to go with everything with one company. Basically kept, you know, progressing through that, and we kept always looking, like, what's the next emerging technology? And today, we still do the same thing. Today, our men are working on various different alternative energy and projects that are a little bit outside the box. Right now, we're building battery storage systems. Basically, you have a big office building. We put these huge boxes out there that look like... The generator. They store electricity. They trickle charge while everything's going good at night. Nobody's using a lot of power. Air conditioning ain't running. And then during the day, uh, in the heat of the day, when you have your peak electricity demand, 
you kind of use the batteries to just shave that little peak off. And by keeping that peak down, there's a big, big savings on your electric bill. And then the next big thing coming is a program that our uh, one of our partner companies is working on with Google, where they're going to come to you and say, oh, you work at uh, 12345 Main Street? Oh, okay, we got a program in that building. So uh, we're going to give you an electric car for like $120 a month. Brand new, choice. That's it. You got it for a lease for three years. Here's the catch. You come to work every day and you plug it in. That's it. You can charge the car there. What's the deal? When you plug the cars in, they're going to use those batteries to shave the peak off the building. So now the batteries, the cars are going to run the building while they're sitting there. Okay. And they got computer software to yeah, figure yeah. out, okay, this is going to charge enough time for them to go home and all that stuff. So these are the cutting edge stuff that's coming up that we okay. see in our industry. So we're talking about the future, but let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Right? How'd you get into this? What was that turning point? What happened? Like, how'd you decide, I want to be an electrical contractor? It's a pretty good story. It's 1986. I'm getting ready to graduate from high school. Don't really know what I want to do. My mother was giving me a lot of pressure. What do you want to do? What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do? Well, you got you to gotta think of something. You got to know. You got to know what to do. You got to go to college. And it was pretty much drilled in my head. You got to go to college. You have to go to college. You're going to be the first person in our family to go to college. Okay. You're smart enough to go to college. Okay. I get it. I get it. I have to go pay a visit to the guidance counselor before I can graduate. She picks up my file. She looks and she says, Mr. Winston, what do we have for you? Let's see. You're going to be going to Westchester Community College to take electrical engineering technology. And she looks, closes the folder. She goes, what kind of a BS course is that? Excuse me, sister? Because she didn't say BS. Yeah. And I'm looking at this nun and I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, why aren't you taking engineering? And I'm like, I don't want to be an engineer. Why not? Like, I hate math. I'm like, that's not my thing. I don't see me doing math for the rest of my life. I said, besides, I don't want to sit behind a desk. I said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I'm not sure. So she starts going through, well, you sure? You could be a field engineer. I'm like, I don't want to go through four years of math to do something I hate. I want to do something I love. Well, what do you like to do? I said, well, you know, she goes, tell me about your day. What do you do when you leave here? Well, I'm going over to John's house. We're going to work on his car. I like to do mechanic work, but I like to do the electrical parts. So, you know, I'm, I'm wiring up the stereo in his car and I'm rewiring it. And, you know, we're building this 1968 Cougar, restoring it. She goes, okay, sounds to me like you'd like to be an electrician. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do a college job. She goes, why not? I don't know. Like, people say you got to go to college. She goes, really? Don't you have any relatives that are electricians? Yeah, my cousin Al's an electrician. Actually, he owns his own business. It's good. I want you to go home. You're going to call your cousin Al, and you're going to ask him if you can work for him for the summer. Okay, yes, sister. I left her office, went home, told my mother. My mother says, oh, that's a good idea. She thinks that'll help you in college, right? Yeah. She calls my grandfather. He says, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. My grandfather calls his brother, who's Al's father. All right, we set this up. So, all right, Sunday night, you're going to go up to Al's house and talk to him about a job. Okay, that's cool. Don't go to my old house. Go to my new house. I said, yeah, 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 the one in Tucker. No, that's my old house. The new house I'm building in Scarsdale. You're building another house? I thought you just built that house in Tucker a couple of years ago. Eh, three years ago. Well, give me the address. So we go over. My grandfather and I, we drive over. I walk in. I'm looking around. I'm looking up. I see this nice, beautiful new house. This expensive neighborhood. Wow. Why'd you build this? Well, so a deal. It was a house right in the middle of two building lots. So I bought it, we knocked it down, we divided it into two lots, I sold off the other lot, and with the money I sell, I'm sell, i selling my house in Tuckahoe with, I got no mortgage. 
She's 32 years old. He's got no mortgage. So now I'm interested. He starts talking to me about, well, this is what we do, you know, and he's, you know, we, we wear a tool belt and an apron, and, you know, we wire this and we'll do this. And he just explained in the trade to me real briefly. And I'm just sitting there and the light bulb goes on I'm like, God, this is it. This is what I want to do. But I didn't decide I wanted to be an electrician. I decided I want to be an electrical contractor. I'm like, I got a plan. I know what I want to do. I'm all set. And I walked out the door and, and said, okay, you can start next week. I'm like, all right. I was like, well, I got, I got to give two weeks notice. I worked in the supermarket unloading trucks. I said, I got to give them two weeks. I'm like, oh, you can start in two weeks then. Whenever you want to start, you start. And I walked out the door and I said, okay. So he says it takes seven years to get an electrical license. I want to I wanna get my electrical license by the time I'm 25. And I want to build a house. By the time I'm 30, that's it. I got my goals and I want to be an electrical contractor. That's it. I'm set. I know what I want to do. So I started working for him. Came to be probably late August. My mother says, well, you got paper in the mail telling you when to go for orientation for uh, college. Hmm. Okay. So now I'm like thinking about this. Uh, I don't know. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? I know what I want to do. I, I can't do this. Actually, my, my great-grandmother had passed away. And I was at the wake, and my grandfather was sitting next to me, and we're kind of whispering, and he says, uh, so how do you like working for Alfred? I'm like, I like it a lot. I'm like, I think that's what I want to do. I'm pretty sure, you know, I want to, I want to be an electrical contractor. And he goes, okay, well, that's good. So what's the problem? Somebody's got to tell mom that I don't want to you know, go to college. All right, all right, I'll talk to her for you. And I'm going to tell her you just, you know, you're going to take a semester off. That sounds good. Okay, we'll go with that. That's good. He tells her, and. Yeah, she's not happy about it, and she kind of cries over it and whines and moans a little bit, but she got over it. Thought I was all done, and then I got another letter in the mail that said, you can't get your tuition back. Probably 600 bucks at the time, yeah. maybe 1200 bucks. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a lot of money. Actually, I think it was 800 bucks. One semester was $800. Okay. In order to get your tuition back, you have to meet with the dean of engineering, and he has to release it. So I tell my cousin, I got to go to get my 800 bucks back, Okay. So do what you got to do. I go over there and sit down. I'm sitting in a room. This guy comes in. Big, ominous looking guy. He was big man. And he had very distinctive features. He had, uh, you could tell he'd been in a fire. He was a burn victim. He had half of his face was really scarred. So it really added to the whole intimidating look. And he looks and he says, what's this out here, boy? You want your money back? Um, yes, sir. And I and very respectfully, I explained to him, I, I worked this summer as a... Uh, as a helper, you know, for an electrical contractor, my cousin. I really love the industry and that I got a plan. You know, I'm, I want to get my electrical license by the time I'm 25. I want to open my own company. I want to build a house by the time I'm 30. I'm pretty much set in what I want to do. And, you know, if you'd be nice enough to just sign that paper and get my money back, I'll be on my way. I'll go back to work. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, you're lazy, boy. That's your problem. You're lazy. Excuse me? You're lazy. You're taking the easy way out. And he ripped into me for about an hour. When he was done, he said, you're lazy. You need somebody to kick your butt. And I'm the guy to do it. So what do you say? Still want your money back? I said, yes. You're going to regret this. You're going to think of me when you're 50 years old and you're working outside in the freezing cold and your body hurts and you're aching. You're going to remember me. Well, I left and I said, no, here's where to send the money. Thank you. Address right there. Please send a check. I got up and left, and I never thought about him again, not for at least 10 years. In 1996, I got my first public work contract at Westchester Community College. Small job. I went to the kickoff meeting. As I was leaving, I'm walking down the hallway, and who's walking straight at me? And I took one look, and I remembered his face, 
what I remembered was he was wearing the same suit he was wearing the day that he ripped into me. I was going to say something, and then I just shook my head and said, you know what, guy like that, why am I going to waste my breath? And I kept walking. Today, it's a good story, but I never thought of him again until that day. Today, I remember that story quite vividly. I just kept my head down, and I, and I kept moving along. And uh, I did get my electrical license by the time I was 25. I didn't build a house until I was 31. Oh, too late. <laughs> well, I bought this building when I was 30. Okay, that counts. Yeah, so I kind of said, you know what, I'm paying rent now. I got to alter my plans a little bit. I decided to, to buy this building, and I, I, bought, I owned 25% of it at the time. Yeah. But for me, it was you know my little piece of something, and I wasn't paying rent anymore. I was paying a mortgage, and it was good. My office was in the basement. Uh-huh. And we rented upstairs here, and I had you know, a couple of partners, one of whom has since passed away. I bought, had, bought his interest and part of my other partner's interest, so I own 75% of it now. Basically, that's uh, that's the path coming into this industry. So, Okay. So what advice would you have for someone getting in? Like, ha- Have things changed? or The world has changed. Yeah. I mean, look, 33 years ago, as I was graduating college, and all while, I, as I was graduating high school. Yeah. And all while I was in high school, every effort was focused on getting into college, SAT scores. And it seemed like your freshman year, you reviewed everything you did in grade school. And sophomore year, everything was about getting into the college of your choice. And then senior year, oh, everything's done already because, you know, you 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 take some college credit or you'll have less credits to take. Nowhere in high school has anybody ever sat down with you and said, here are some of your career options. These are jobs. We just steer people to, what do you have an interest in? Go to this, go to this. Oh, you're good in math and science. You're going to be an engineer. You know, why don't you become a lawyer? Why don't you become a doctor? And, and that's great. If you're going to college, you got an interest, you want to be, you know, you're in healthcare. My daughter is going to be graduating from a senior, entering her last semester. She's known since she was pretty young that she wanted to be in the healthcare industry. And it was funny because I made her work here a couple of summers. And uh, she said, no, I'm glad you did that because you know what? At that point, I was perfectly clear. I wanted nothing to do with your business. <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. Sometimes you need that. That's right? perfect. I'm like, listen, I'm not upset. I'm not anything. And then she's going to be a nurse practitioner. She's well set. She's most important thing. She's passionate about what she does. Yeah. And that's the key. We don't encourage kids to go after their passion. We encourage them to get into the college of their choice. Because why? Well, that looks good. You know, high school is, oh, 99% of our students went to college and 90% of them got into their college of their choice. Give me a better statistic. Why don't you tell me how much money are they making now, 10 years after they graduate from high school? Show me that statistic. I agree. If someone wants to be, someone's 18 and they're considering becoming an electrician, electrical contractor, what advice would you have? What direction would you steer them in? It's pretty, pretty easy because right now the trades are hot. They need young people and people are not being encouraged to explore those options one of the things you can do is just go right out there and you can probably look online and look for electrician's helper job if you don't maybe you're not going to see that go to your local BOCES okay or you know wherever some low cost or no cost public source where you can go take some basic courses in basic electricity and take some more basic courses that will get you up to speed. Contractors and trade associations are always going to those places to say, oh, you have some people graduating. I can almost guarantee you there'll be a job waiting for you after you graduate from those programs. And they're not, I mean, these are, you know, programs you can go to at night while you're working somewhere else. Okay. 
anything you can do to get involved in the industry, you know, be a driver, be a shop boy, you know, deliver materials, whatever you can do, get exposed to it. See if it's for you. See if you like it. Get a job for the summer. I was pretty shocked. In 1999, I had a project where we were doing a, a street lighting job in a private complex and all of the street lighting cabling had to be replaced and it was direct buried right next to a gas line so couldn't really dig with a machine so we had a hand dig so we said well, what are we gonna do we gotta get some laborers and i'm like no no, no. you know what it's a good opportunity to give some kids a, a summer job so i went to the gym i thought you'll get some big burly kids and i put a sign up in the gym and said you know laborers wanted summer job construction hard work good pay yeah i pay 12 bucks an hour and this is yeah, that was good money back 20 then. 20 years ago. Yeah, that was good money. Right? Not one phone call. Wow. And I was just kind of blown away because I remember thinking like, wow, when I was a kid and you wanted a summer job in construction, you, your uncle had to be a gangster or something. Man. Yeah. There's no way you were getting a job in construction. It was kind of disheartening. It's gotten worse ever since, only because our educators portray any kind of trades as very negative. A friend of mine who uh, just retired as a shop teacher in a large public school system for many, many years. And I said, Jack, I'm blown away. I can't believe they still have wood shop. And he said, well, you don't kind of understand. He goes, you know, my job is to foster an interest in engineering. If I ever actually said to a kid, you should become a carpenter, I'd lose my job. So it's, you know, we, we've got to change the perception. As parents, we need to look at our kids and say to them, why are you going to college? What, what's your plans? You know, we need to steer them and say, hey, look, what career are you interested in? Do you know how much money you can make in that career? And unfortunately, we don't do that. We just turn around and say, oh, you got to get a good score on your SAT. I think we really have to start reverse engineering, as we say. Not let's go out and get all this education, amass a ton of money in student loans, only to find out that, you know, I really didn't know what field entitled. And I'm not, I'm not really interested in that. Even today, I mean, we'd get interns that would come in here and they were engineering interns and we'd talk to them and say, do you know what an engineer does? No. Like, how could you be studying electrical engineering in your third year, and you don't even know what an electrical engineer does after he gets out of college? They just shrug their shoulders. It's disheartening. No, it is. It is. I see it all the time. Like, sometimes people want to get into healthcare, and then yeah. they go, and they're afraid of blood. Yeah. It's like, sure. look, you should have at least had some a little hands-on experience to understand what you're yeah. dealing with. Yeah, I think we need a complete overhaul of the educational system. And I think high school, I mean, I think your freshman year of high school should consist of exploratory classes teaching you about different career opportunities for at least part of your time there so that at least you can look and start getting exposed. Prior to, I'd say, probably prior to the 1970s, high school was intended for two purposes. One, readying you for the workforce. Two, preparing you if you wanted to go on to higher education because you wanted a professional degree, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an accountant, something where, okay, that's the prescribed path of education. But today it's just, you know, we need college for all. And I just, I don't think we're going down a good road at all. No, I think so too. And, you know, it's turned into a big business. 25, someone, it takes, you said seven years to get the electrical license? Yeah, it's going to vary by what jurisdiction you're in. Depends on, you know, what license you're going for, whether you're, I mean, here I was in, living in Westchester County. So at the time, we didn't even have a countywide license. There were like one town, didn't have a license. The town next to it took 10 years. Town down the street was seven years. Okay. One was five. But if you got one, they were all reciprocated with each other. Okay. Now we have a, a countywide license and 
I think it's pretty much about seven to ten years it takes to prove that you've actually worked in the trade before you can actually go take the test. And that's being a helper. Or yeah, something like that. I think they. I think the verbiage today is seven years as a journeyman. Okay. So after you were considered a journeyman, you gotta. I mean, you, you gotta have W twos. You gotta be able to go there with a letter from your employer saying, "Yes, he worked for me for seven years as a journeyman," or you you went you know through the union program where you went through a state apprenticeship program our electrical apprenticeship program with the union 66 months in new york state okay it's a long time you know? yes it's five and a half years but in five and a half years you're going to school our guys actually they get an associate's degree when they're done yeah. um, in i think labor studies or something yeah. something like that i mean i don't i don't really see that as being a you know yeah. huge part of what we do but you know, there's people that find value in it but we do teach them how to be an electrician and how to be good at it okay so are they getting paid while they're doing the seven years absolutely i mean an apprenticeship basically means you are getting paid to learn and you're going to school at the same time so if you become indentured in a state program and you know like here in new york we'll advertise that we are you know soliciting apprentice applications and you fill out your application you'll take an exam you'll be graded on that aspect of it and then you'll come in for an interview and we'll discuss what have you been doing? What are you doing now? You know, we get some guys who are just graduating high school and they say, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, my brother was an electrician, father. We get guys who say, hey, I've been trying to get into the union for a while now. I've been, you know, I work for so-and-so. I went to BOCES. You know, I got some skills. And those guys we look at, we, we want to grab those guys because they say, look, he's showing you that's what he wants to do as a career. And you get other guys who show up and go, I was thinking of being a cop or fireman. I'm taking all the tests I can get. And I'm not too keen on those guys. What type of guys do you see come in and they just don't work out? Like in the ads, right? You usually can weed them out in the interview process. The guys who usually get selected and do well on the interview are the guys who come in and say, yeah, I'm taking some classes. I'm working for so-and-so. I'm working as a shop boy right now because I want to get in. and Or I'm working non-union as a... Uh, you know, as a helper, but I've been taking classes at night. I really, really, this is what I want to do. I love this industry. The guys who don't do well come in and say, well, you know, my friend took the test. They told me I should take the test. And yeah, I heard they make good money. And, you know, I went to college, but, you know, I really can't find a job. And uh, so, you know, just I'm trying everything. And we don't want to hear that. We want to hear some kind of passion in your voice. Okay. If someone's in high school, because I know you did some different things. You did wiring on cars. Let's say they're like some early high school. What would you tell them to get involved in so that they show, so they they learn some stuff so that they don't come in at zero when they start their apprenticeship? They can come in at zero. I don't have a problem. We don't, no one has a problem with that. You need a willingness to learn and an interest in what you're doing. I said it to you once before. You can't teach somebody something they have no interest in. Yeah. They can memorize it temporarily. I mean, that's what high school is. You memorize certain degrees of things and you take a test and you pass the test and then you pretty much forget them unless you're interested in that particular aspect. I mean, you you look at what we do today. You know, a kid takes chemistry. You you have entire classes of kids taking chemistry. Of those, how many are going to be chemical engineers or pharmacists? Probably not. Why do we expend all this time and money to have a kid take a class in chemistry when a minute portion of that class might even have the slightest interest in going into that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Find what it is you're interested in. Explore careers. Look at different things. Maybe you want to be a plumber. Maybe you want to be a carpenter. 
Maybe you want to be a mechanic, diesel mechanics. There is a huge, huge shortage of diesel mechanics in this country. Go and look what a diesel mechanic makes. Just Google. How much would they make? Estimate. I'm not sure because our guys are all union and yeah. they get pro, but, but but our guys are making up around uh, $45 an hour plus benefits. Okay, so that's good. Yeah. Sure it is. There's other opportunities depending on where you work. You know, our guys are just servicing our trucks, but um, there's a lot of opportunity out there. They'll look at what you're interested in. There's plenty of things that don't require a college degree. And you know what? It's not the worst thing in the world. If you go work at a few a job, you don't like it, you try another job, you like this. Okay, fine. What do I need to do to succeed? All right, maybe, maybe you find out that, you know, you want to get some more training. It may not be college. Maybe it's some other professional organization. I'm willing to guess that your employer will probably either pay or help compensate you to take additional skills. We have mechanisms through the union where the guys can take classes. And if there's something that we want them to take that's not offered by the union, they're compensated. They get money out of a fund. Educational opportunities are out there. Just everybody's kind of blinded by the fact that they think college is the only educational opportunity. Learn things that are specific to what you want to do, but figure out what you want to do first. Yeah, that's super important. What are some certifications that you would recommend someone get, well, there's really especially no, in the electrical yeah, industry? There's really no certification. You have to, at the end of the day, like if you're in an apprenticeship program, you will ultimately, you'll take a test so that you can graduate from your apprenticeship. And again, you know, that's a, that's a 66 month. Yeah project. That's not something. I mean, there's really no, can you go get a, a certificate from your local BOCES and saying, hey, electrical wiring one, electrical wiring two, those basic things. Um, uh, if you're going to work, if you think you want to work in the trades, safety training, hugely important. You can go online and take a OSHA 10 class, which is a 10 hour online class. Um, you could do them in, in person or online and that's that's required to work. And pretty soon in New York City, it's going to be OSHA 30. You're going to have to have 30 hours of safety training just to step foot on a construction site. If you show up at an employer, even just looking for an entry-level job and say, hey, look, I spent 10 hours taking this class already, shows you have some interest, yeah. shows you want to do it. So what are some mistakes you've made along the way that you're like, you know what, I wish I had known this? We don't have enough time to talk about all the mistakes. Look, you learn from your mistakes. We make mistakes every day. I'm still making mistakes. Yeah. I told you. I'm recovering from a mistake now after 26 years in business. We had a ransomware attack last two weeks ago, paralyzed our company. I thought I was hiring a good IT company. I spent $4,000 for a firewall. And I'm like, well, we're protected now. Because we had three other hacking incidents yeah. earlier this year, all of which we caught and recovered the money. Basically, I brought in a cybersecurity consultant and I said, what did I do wrong? I spent, you know, spent $4,000 on a brand new firewall. He says, well, you know, you, you bought a 12-inch thick steel door. So nobody ever locked it. You know, firewall's only as good as the guy who configures it. And, you know, you're just setting it up with the basic settings out of the box. The average hacker in his mother's basement is going to be in in 15 minutes. Uh, learned a hard lesson. You thought you're doing the right thing. You always are going to make yeah. mistakes. Listen, I could sit here. We could do a podcast on mistakes, and I could sit here, and I could give you a list of mistakes. I can't right. even So what, what stands out early in your career? Like, what was something early in your career that you're like, you know what, I should have done it this way, or you know what, I should have, if I had known this? Well, I could tell you one that's kind of important. Yeah. The construction industry was predominantly a male-dominated yeah. industry when I was growing up in the trades. Probably in the early 19 or mid-1990s, we got sent an apprentice who was female, and my immediate 
reaction was, oh my God, this is terrible. She's not going to do anything. This is horrible. What am I going to do? I got, we got to get rid of her. Oh my God. I got a call from the union that day and they said, hey, you're out of ratio. You have too many apprentices. You have to give one back. I'm like, okay, we'll give her back. I have to talk to my foreman. I go, I got good news. I got rid of that problem. And he said, she was really good. She was excellent. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, she's a really good worker. It's too bad. I'm like, wow. Okay, maybe I got to rethink this. The next time I got a, uh, a female apprentice, I sent her out and I, and I put her out with one of my tougher foremen. So then I'm not giving anybody an easy, easy ride. Let's see how she does. And I call him up and I said, so how are we doing? She's okay. Any problems? Yeah, she can't reach off the 10-foot ladder. Can you get a 12-foot ladder? I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. A couple of weeks later, I got a call at hospital we were doing some work in. Half the hospital was out of power. And um, I said, who's over there? Well, Eddie had to leave. He had to go to the hospital. You know, his mom's sick. And um, I was going to send Anna home. I'm like, all right, just tell her to stay there in case I need help. I'm going to come over there right now. And I drive over. Tell her not to touch anything. Don't do anything. She's an apprentice. She's not supposed to do anything. Just tell her not to touch anything. I get there and she goes, all right, I got to figure it out. Yeah, there's a loose neutral in the back of the switch gear over there that feeds that other section, the switch gear. And, and I'm looking at her and I'm like, yeah, okay. So I go over, I look and I'm like, she's right. How'd you know that? So I, I worked non-union for two years before I was, I, I have five years experience. Really? That's good. Started giving her more and more complex tasks and working on different jobs. Unfortunately, you know, they, we rotate apprentices from year to year to year. So we put them in different environments and different, you know, let them get experience, different companies who do different things. And man, she was so mad when she got rotated because she said, this is the first shop where my duties weren't go get coffee, go order material. She goes, I got to work here. So, you know, we get bottom line is we give everybody, everybody's got a clean slate. You come here, even if you were known as the worst worker in the union, give you a clean slate when you come here. You come here and you show us what you can do with our people. That was an early lesson. Okay. So I know you have several companies. So you have the electrical company and then you said utility. Utility. So what type of work are you involved in? So our utility company is basically power line work, Um, setting telephone poles, pulling cables through manholes through the streets. We do storm restoration nationwide. So if you see a convoy of bucket trucks heading south, we're probably going to Florida for the next hurricane or north for the next ice storm. And we've worked everywhere from Florida, Texas, Detroit, Chicago, just about everywhere east of the Midwest. And, and we'll pretty much go anywhere for that kind of work. Guys like that. Just a quick note on that. When guys are doing storm work, they get double time, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. So when my linemen go out on storm, they're making about 11 grand a week. Wow. Plus benefits. Oh, my God. Plus benefits. Okay. Anybody who tells you you can't make money in the trades, ask them how much they're making. So how does someone get involved in that line of work? Same thing. I mean, you apply for an apprentice program. If you want to get a jump on it, I mean, there are line colleges down south, the Midwest, where you could actually go and get those skills. Unfortunately, you'll pay for that. You'll probably end up working non-union, and then you're going to try to get into a union shop where they're going to make you start almost back at zero again Mm. first year. So. It's always better to try to get into a union apprentice program, but the programs are out there. Apply, take a test, go for the interview, show interest. You got to be not afraid of heights. Yeah. When you see uh, guys working up on high tension towers, 
those alignment. You see them and you know, how do they get up there? Well, a lot of times you fly them up with a helicopter, they climb out, they work, and then the helicopter comes back and picks them up. So you know how much extra you get paid if you work on a helicopter crew? How much? One dollar. That's it? Mm-hmm. It's not about... Yeah. One thing you'll find is it's not about the money with those guys. Yeah. It's they're passionate about what they do and they work. They're, they're a very special breed. What were some interesting jobs that you've done? Like what jobs sort of stick out? Again, I like to try to keep ourselves in certain niche markets. Uh, right now, we're involved with some some big LED street lighting projects all over the state of New York. We're working. We've done a lot here in Westchester, White Plains, Harrison, Rye, Mount Vernon. And uh, we're building in Syracuse not only a network of LED street lights, but smart city technology. So basically, every fixture has a Wi-Fi node on it. With those Wi-Fi nodes, we can put cameras motion detectors. We can put what they call blue light warning, which is basically, I don't know if you've ever walked around now, like a campus where they have the little emergency call buttons. You hit the blue light, hit the button, it sends the police. They can do that right to your cell phone. It can help you find a parking space. One of the really cool things we're doing, uh, we did it in the city of Mount Vernon, which really needed it, was gunshot detection. Mm. The street light listens gives GPS coordinates to the police, triangulates, and can tell you within six feet away that gunshot went off. And wow. The police can respond. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's some pretty cool stuff we're working on. And we're, we're pretty much working all over the state of New York, too, and that Syracuse is the first big one we're doing. And we're going to be moving on to uh, Buffalo, Utica, some of the uh, city of Kingston will be starting pretty soon. So, um, And those are good jobs because while our men are working on those, they're not critical kind of projects. So if there's an ice storm or a hurricane, you got a yeah. good labor pool of guys to pull off and send somewhere. So, Where do you see the future, like the next 5 to 15 years? Where do you kind of see? You see the smart cities really? That's yeah, the big yeah. yep, the smart city. The, the next integration with streetlights is going to be 5G. Okay. So, um, you know, cities are going to be creating their own networks, own Wi-Fi networks. You're going to be able to access Wi-Fi anywhere within a particular city. That's that's big. The uh, Internet of Things, as they call it, yeah. you know, where you're – your blender talks to your refrigerator, talks to your street light, and all these things interact in crazy ways that you can't even think of. Yeah. Um, you know, the catch basin on the street, when it's full of leaves and garbage, it's got a little sensor in it. It's going to call the street light, and it's going to tell it that the catch basin that's 12 feet to the left and 4 feet to, you know, to the north uh, needs to be cleaned. So there's, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, stuff that we can't even – we haven't even thought of yet all the things they can do with this kind of stuff on the smart city side. On the uh, energy side of things, we're going to continue to see more battery systems. Solar has some applications. Solar farms are popping up everywhere in the upstate areas. You know, down here in the, in the New York City metropolitan area, you're probably never going to see one. You'll see yeah. rooftop solar installs. But if you go upstate and you drive a little bit, not too far, go right up, Interstate 87, and you keep going up there, you're going to start seeing these huge farms of solar panels, and, and they're generating a tremendous amount of electricity with these. Some of these systems actually have motors so that the solar panels will tilt and follow the sun so that they'll get solar for a, a longer period of time. And then with the use of batteries, you know, we're charging those batteries with sunlight and discharging them as needed when the grid needs, you know, one of those peak demand times. So, you know, th this is real emerging technology that we're doing every day that's becoming more and more prevalent. So, very, it's a, it's a good time to be in this industry. You know, there's a lot of cutting-edge stuff happening if you're in that, if you're in that field. 
I know you're also involved with like fleet mechanics. Can you just talk about that? I, I have a tendency to uh, get bored easily. Yeah. So I, I start to look at things that kind of interest me a little bit. So because I've always had, you know, mechanics has always been kind of a, a hobby of mine. Um, I race and build race cars and I've always been very active in the maintenance of my trucks. So I was never very happy with the service we got from a lot of the companies that were located five and six hours away where they would actually send a tech to come fix our, our bucket trucks or our cranes. And, and then we'd find out that they didn't really know what they were doing. So I decided to put together my own company and uh, I formed Northeast Utility Equipment Repair. And basically what we do is we, we inspect, maintain, repair, and fabricate utility equipment of all kind. Um, we actually fabricated a, uh, we built a truck mounted rock drill that we use for drilling holes in solid rock for putting telephone poles. So, I mean, we can, we can drill a 20 inch round hole seven feet deep in about 30 minutes. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah. And we, we built that in our, in our repair shop because people that I brought in were actually all people that I became friends with racing cars. Oh, okay. So they were good fabricators. They just you know, kind of learned the, uh, the hydraulic aspect of the business and welding and cutting and fabricate and kind of just came natural to them so it's been another good market for us and again it's a niche market so yeah in the northeast utility equipment repair i actually brought in a partner and uh john was a friend of mine that we raced cars together john was a really good fabricator he uh he had a six-figure job working for new york life as an it guy we were away racing one weekend and uh john was uh, getting engaged and i said wow Radical change, huh? So you're not going to be a bachelor anymore. He says, yep, now I just need a new career. I'm like, what do you mean a new career? You have a good job. He goes, I hate my job. He goes, look, he says, I, I go to work every day trying to motivate a team knowing that at any time we may outsource their job to India. Says, How do you motivate a team like that? He says, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough. He says, yeah, a little piece of me dies every day I go to work. Light bulb goes off in my head. I speak to a mutual friend of ours. I say, hey, Al, I got an idea. Talking to John, you know, he's kind of miserable. Yeah, he hates his job. You think he'd be interested in this? And he goes, I think he would. And I sat down with him. We started talking. I told him about it. He goes, yeah, you know, sounds really cool. Sounds like something I'd like to be into. I says, and I'll, I'll make you a partner. I don't have the infrastructure I need to make this company work. So I'd be willing to bring you in and, and give you, you know, a little portion of the company. He said, well, let me see. Who's our competition? Why don't you Google Bucket Truck Repair New York. So he does. He goes, well, the way I see it, there's only this one company, Newquip. So no, that's us. Newquip is Northeast Utility Equipment Repair. So you mean we don't have any competitors? No. Well, he decided that day he was going to give two weeks notice. He's now my 50-50 uh, partner in the company, and it's doing very well. We're, we're pretty happy, so growing every day. I got to ask you, so you race cars. Yeah. What's your dream car? Or you could name three. Know. You could name a few. I don't know. See, again, I don't. I don't race street cars. I yeah, race yeah. purpose-built race cars. But uh, yeah, I've had some pretty cool cars over the years. Uh, right now, I've got a Porsche GT4. Oh, that's my my weekend uh, car. It's only got five thousand miles on it. Oh so. man, how, when, how long did you have it? What year? I just bought it this year. Actually, okay. I tried to get one when they first came out, and I couldn't get one. They only made twenty five hundred. They sold out in twenty minutes. Oh man! So I waited a few years, and then. Uh, I happened in April. I was looking around. And I said, well, if I could find a yellow one, black interior with the yellow seatbelts, you know, I want this option, that option, that option. 
found one in Jersey with 3,500 miles on oh, it. Okay. So I said, okay, I went there and bought it on the spot. Okay. So that's cool. What's in the future for you? Like, what's the next step? Are there any other niche markets you're trying to get into, or you think it's you're at a good state? If I did, I probably wouldn't tell you because yeah. that's one thing about niche markets. Yeah, you got to keep it. Yeah, you don't want anybody in the world competing with you. So yeah. that way, it's not a niche anymore. Yeah. So we're, look, we're always looking at emerging markets. Our antenna is always up for that kind of stuff, but you never know where I might end up. I, I got a lot of endeavors going. Okay. I'm in the middle of writing a book right now. Okay. So uh, something I always wanted to do. I'm almost done with it. Okay. Had a good friend of mine who's a, who also an entrepreneur. He sold his company, and you know, all of a sudden, I happened to see one day on LinkedIn. I see author of like what you wrote a book. I called him up, and I guess I'm like, we always used to talk about, you say, I'm going to write a book. I said, I'm going to write a book. So he wrote his book. He got it published. I said, all right, I got to write a book now. Okay. So, cool. So when is it coming out? Uh, we'll see. I'm in no rush. You know, okay. for me, it's, it's. Uh, I've been working on it for a couple of months, and uh, I got about three more chapters before I finish up. Oh, and that's not bad. No, not at all. And then it's got to go to be edited yeah. and, you know, all that good stuff. So we'll roll it out when it's ready. It's one of those things that I'd rather have it to be... Uh, yeah. The way I want it. Yeah. So. No, you got to. Yeah. Right, you spend a lot of time. You do yeah. It right. Yeah. So, and yeah, we'll see. One of my other hobbies is making wine. I've always joked about when I retire, I'm going to b- open a winery. Okay. I'll buy a winery. And it's probably uh, more of a promise than a threat. So, yeah. we'll see. That might be in the future. I, I had a sobering realization about a year ago when I went to uh, a wine tasting and I met this winemaker who... Uh, we started talking about wine, and he said, oh, you know a lot about wine. I said, well, I make wine. He said, oh, well, did you ever think of going commercial? I said, yeah, well, you know, when I retired, I'd like to open a winery. And he started telling me a story that, uh, oh, you know, 1982, I opened my winery, and uh, I made $50,000, and the following year, I took on a partner, and we made, like, another 5,000 cases more than the year before, and we made $50,000, and then... The following year, I brought another partner in, and we made 100,000 cases. And I'm like, so that was it, huh? He goes, no, I still made $50,000. And I'm like, all right, well, it seems like you figured it out now, right? I mean, now you're back by yourself, and you're, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm down to smaller quantities. I'm like, all right, so, I mean, look, $50,000 a year, you know, 30 years ago, that wasn't bad. He goes, oh, I still make 50000 a year. So I said, okay, thank you for that lesson. So yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm may- maybe I'm rethinking that one a little bit, okay. but well, you know, if I'm retired, who cares? Keep who me cares? keep me out of trouble. So how would someone get in contact with you? I guess you could easily send me an email, Doug at dmelectrical.com, and you, know, you got a question, I'd be happy to help you. Okay, okay, cool. So, and when you've released a book, you know, we'll put in the show notes and episode summary. Sounds Looking cool. forward to that. Thank you for your time, Doug. Thank you. Very informative episode cool. and. I learned a lot and I'm pretty sure our guests. Thank you, Doug. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information is valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about topics about bias. If you think this show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect, or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal. Spelled J-O-N-A-E-D. Last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree.
no problem, no degree.com. Yeah. Talk to so, me. you got no degree? No problem. No problem. I don't know. Any problem, we can solve We them. got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. You didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in a knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.